1: It is Wednesday, March 21st, 2012, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I am here with Steve Say. Hola. Bob Ryer. I was going to say that. Hello. <laughs> and <laughs> Stephanie Cook. Hi. See, she's are shooting with the plane high. Yeah, no, I think so. So it was good. I shouldn't have planned something. No, you shouldn't. No. Well, you got thrown off. You planned yeah. to say hola. He said hola. Then, then you look like the person who's unoriginal.
2: Opa. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Moving we'll be,
3: on We'll be telling everyone Hellos of the world <laughs> Every week Ciao
2: ja. Aloha No,
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, nah, nah, you gotta save him You gotta save him so, oh, oh, for, for, Save for him. Week, <laughs> next yeah. Week, yeah. I got you, I got gotcha, you gotcha. <laughs> We'll make sure that I'll ask him every week What he's gonna say And then I'll tell you on the sly <laughs> okay. So you can say it before ruin him it, yeah Nice And then ruin him Nice I'll
2: have to learn Portuguese or something
1: it's true.
2: I get, it's probably close to Spanish, I would assume. Uh, more irregular verbs. Ooh, look at that. But hello <laughs> is not a verb, though. The way I say it, it is. <laughs> this is, I, this is I, I hello I you. <laughs> um, so you
1: are listening to Talking Comics. We we're going to talk a bunch about comic books. We have some really cool books to talk about today. We have Saucer Country, which Steve's going to talk about. We have a little Batgirl, a little Batman and Robin, and a little Ultimate Spider-Man. Um, before we do that, though, this weekend was St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> Oh, my God, yes. And I went to <laughs> I went to Beantown. I went to Boston. Um, and it was a good time. We went to the parade in Southie. Uh-huh. And that was crazy. I mean, to be fair, we were at the parade for maybe 10 minutes. And the rest of the time, we were drinking copious amounts of alcohol mm. at um, a friend of mine's actually old apartment. Um, she's still really good friends with her roommate there. And he throws a big party every year. And he actually brews his own beer. Perfect. Uh, and it was delicious beer, too. It was, it was really awesome. But... The party's I mean you know it's the party starts at like nine AM because the parade <laughs> starts at like you know noon and then you're done you're wasted by, you know, one and yeah. you're you're home by five. And it's Very wonderful. Nice. Um we actually started drinking, we woke up at around eight and started, started drinking again? Bailey's and coffee. No, no that, that morning. Oh, okay. We had oh, Bailey's we'll and coffee. <laughs> No, 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 yeah, no. I mean Bailey's and coffee that <laughs> morning right before ready? we went to the party. Um but we brought a whole bunch of beer there. And then this before he released he was bringing his own beer. And, you know, he doesn't really want a case of Miller Lite in his in his apartment. No. Um, so we were like, hey, do you want us to leave this here, Or if you don't leave here, we'll, we will just take it back with us. Um, and my friend uh, Bull Brad, who used to be on the show, <laughs> as who I was going to visit, lives about like probably like 30 minutes away by all sorts of transportation from this apartment. And he's like, no, no, take it. He's like, I don't want it here anyway. So we took it. it wasn't open. The handle was a little bit ripped. We finally get to the subway, the T in Boston. And this cop go like, first of all, takes away one of our like twelve pack because it was the twelve pack was open and missing a beer, so he's like, you can't have an open pack on the on the train. What? Uh, doesn't Can make they? any sense. Yeah. Doesn't make any sense at all because none of the beers were actually open. Yeah. But uh, the St. Patrick's Day is not the day to argue civil liberties with a Boston yes. police officer. So we just <laughs> left the open twelve pack. We had sold the the Miller Lite one, which was closed. The handle was slightly ripped. The guy looks like okay, fine, go. So when you know, we get down to the platform and was running on the platform. There's another cop who literally takes it out of a Brian, another former show member's <laughs> hands, um, and says, "You can't. You know, there's no way you can getting on that man. There's no way." Wow. And he's, it's not open. And he goes, what, "What's this?" He goes, "The handles ripped." He's like, "There's still 18 beers in here. There's no, none that were open." He's like, "No, sorry, man, sorry." He and he puts it down literally on like a stack of like beer that he had. That they compensate. That will keep all, the station house. Them. Yeah, it'll keep yeah. the
2: station out drunk for the next week. Yeah. yeah.
1: And it was really angering, right? But there's, but there's like thousands of people, hundreds of people in this t stop, and it's like, we're not going to argue. I'm not going to sit there and get in trouble with the Boston Police Department. Don't want
2: to be the white Rodney. What King. kind of beer was it?
1: Miller Light. Then
0: let, let them have it, it, man. Yeah, yeah. But
2: exactly. here's the thing:
1: it was Sunday. Blue liquor laws. stores aren't open on yep. Sundays in Boston, and you can't mm. buy beer at grocery stores, in Massachusetts. I would rather die of thirst. Okay, fine. <laughs> but I wanted to have a beer oh. when I got back to. Brad's yep. apartment, and I couldn't, because they took literally 30 beers away from us. Oh, my oh, God. God. That's the worst.
3: And I would have just left it at the party.
1: Yeah. You know, if, yeah. If, if I had known that was going to happen, I, I, at least it wouldn't have gone to waste. Somebody would eventually drink it. You know? Somebody, well, somebody eventually will did.
3: eventually drink it. It's, it's just going to be the police. It's true. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, somebody I liked would have eventually <laughs> drank it. But you also want to argue, because it's possible, and I'm not saying this is definite, that there was other things other than alcohol imbibed at the party. So you don't want to get into discussions with police officers when there's a chance of serious trouble. (laughs) Yeah, don't take away my absinthe. (laughs) Yeah, well, no, there was actually there was absinthe at the party, but I didn't have any of it. You should have. I was already pretty wasted. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't really want to get into that.
0: Wasted like how I got on your birthday last year. This past time,
1: were you? Were you? Dude, I was. Were you? Oh God, I couldn't tell Mm. that. Oh, never again. I knew that you, you got bombs. sick on the home, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, they were squirting sake into our yeah. mouths, which was ridiculous. <sighs> it was much more... Karen asked me before, she's like, are you going to get really drunk tonight? I was like, no, I don't plan on getting really drunk. Did you know, the comfortable drunk. And <laughs> this guy just kept squirting sake into my mouth. Yeah. And, and I was like, I'm sorry. That's not my fault. <laughs> I, was, I, I was really drunk. I was so annihilated that night. It was pretty bad. It was a great night, though. Yes, it was. But did anybody else do anything for St. Patrick's Day?
0: I watched yeah. Leprechaun 4 in space. Nice. And drank whiskey <laughs> and painted my house.
1: Nice. Yes. More productive St. Patrick's Day than I had. I played a lot of video yes. games. Me too. Oh. It's, a, it's about
2: movies. Come on.
1: Um, Bob, did you do anything
2: special? I watched a movie that Steve uh, uh, clued me into Secret of Kells. Oh, you yeah. oh, oh watched my God. that for, So good. Yeah, watched yeah. that. And, and of course, drank. And, and the first movie I have memory of seeing is an Irish monster movie called Gorgo.
0: I've heard of that before. Mm-hmm.
2: It's, a, it's a dinosaur movie. And the backstory is this. The guy who directed it also directed the giant behemoth and the beast from 20,000 Fathoms. And at the premiere of Behemoth, his nine-year-old daughter says to him, Daddy, how come the monster always dies at the end? Uh, a little light goes off and the director <laughs> says the guy's name is Eugene Lurier. Makes this movie Gorgo. They find this monster off the coast of an Irish island, capture him, bring him back to London and put them in a zoo, and they're going to make money on this. There's a problem. The scientists show up and tell the guys who captured the monster, oh, by the way, what you have is an infant. What do you mean it's an infant? Well, and they pull out a chart. You know, scientists have charts. Here's here's the infant. Here's the adult. It's 200 feet tall. It shows up in London, wrecks the place. Oh, I want to see this. Knocks down the Tower Bridge, Big Ben, takes the baby, and goes home.
0: That's my movie. Yes. Very that's, nice. That's my movie. Yeah. Watch
2: Happy that. ending. <laughs> if you're a monster, anyway. How about you, Steph? What was your St. Patty's?
3: Ah, uh, I you went remember. To some friends. I was, <laughs> and uh, we played rock band. And uh, I, I haven't drank very much for the past year or so, being in PEI and living in the middle of nowhere. So my tolerance is <laughs> Making pretty up low for lost time. time. So 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 when I say that I had like five beers, that's already like you know. Whoa. On top of tequila
0: shots, am I right? Yeah.
3: Wow. And, like we, There was a few of us there, and then there was only four of us doing tequila shots. And I thought I only did like three tequila shots, maybe. <laughs> and it was mixed with orange juice, too. So, you know, it's like only kind of like half and half. And when I woke up the next morning, like it was a big tequila bottle. And there was only a quarter of the bottle left. Whoa. Like all there's right. no way. Like we all did shots at the same time, and there's no way... Just when the like when the worm shots.
0: starts speaking to you halfway through the night, that's
2: how you know you need to stop. Yeah, when it turns it, into Alice in Wonderland and the caterpillar. Yeah.
3: Uh, but we played rock band. I busted out my singing voice, which only happens with tequila. So you know. <laughs> it was. Well,
2: what was your, what was your big hit? Yeah.
3: Um, what did I sing? I, see, I don't even really remember. Don't stop believing.
4: <laughs> no,
2: nah, it should have been you too. Come on, on uh, St. Patty's Day.
3: I'll, me and my friend Amy, we busted out some Disney tunes while like the guys were all
2: Disney rock bands.
3: And so we no, well they have Disney Sing It, which is totally in storage right now, and I'm bringing it over next time. But we just kind of got like sidetracked that. we're singing Disney tunes. Rat.
1: Scoundrel, <laughs> take that! All right, just a little snack, guys. <laughs> Rip him open, take it back. I He's had to gotta that still album, eat. Gotta eat to live. Tell you about it when I've got the time. Sorry. <laughs> it's right. We should probably talk about some comics. We should. Yeah, we should probably I get some yeah. comic books eventually. Um, so everybody seemed to have a pleasant St. Patrick's Day weekend. Mm, absolutely. It was nice yeah, and relaxing. Like it was the way I wanted it. Good, awesome, awesome. So let's uh, let's move on to talk about some books. Um, I'm going to go first this week. Oh. Um, Bob and I both are in the same universe with our books of the week. Yes. Um, so I think we'll go into, we'll go one after the other here. Um, I'm just going to talk about Batman and Robin, uh, number seven, which is by Peter J. Uh, Tomasi. and um, it was actually a book I had kind of I read the first issue and then hadn't been keeping up with it, and then. When we had Scott Snyder on the show, he kind of mentioned how much he was enjoying it. So I figure when Scott Snyder says something is good, you should probably at least give it a second look. So I did. I gave it a second look. And um, the nice thing about DC's digital stuff is that it becomes a dollar cheaper the month after it comes out. So I could really catch up on it without really having to spend too much money. And it was definitely worth it. Once I got past the first couple – but really first two issues where Mm. Damien is a little bit – bratty. He's bratty the whole time, but it becomes more understandable as you get farther on. You you, you huh? sympathize with him more. So once you get past those first two issues, this kind of bratty kid becomes somebody you at least start to understand. He's got a lot to live up
2: to, after all. So
1: He does. He's had a very bad childhood, too. Let's be yeah. fair. He was raised by a League of Assassins. That's a problem. Um, so, you know, that can put damage to a kid a little bit. <laughs> um, and, you know, he, he has an interesting position as far as Robin goes, because you know, he comes into the Robin role about the same age as the other ones did, I think a little bit younger, a little a bit younger than Tim Drake, but pretty much around the time, the same time Dick Grayson mm-hmm. did, the same time Jason Todd did. And yet he is infinitely more qualified to do the job than any of the other Robins who come before him, because he's a trained assassin. You know he has the skills to defeat these people. Um, his main problem is he has a, a lot of anger, and he kind of reminds me of I don't know if anybody out there anybody here has watched Angel. Or not? Yes, I yes. have. Reminds me a little bit of Connor from Angel. So, ah. Angel's son. So, that's what he kind of reminds me of. Um, Vincent Carthizer, who is obviously now on Mad Men. But and he's awesome. He's awesome on Mad Men. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, so, he th- reminds me a little bit of that. Like he's, he, he defaults to what seems like whiny because he's had... Uh, um, he kind of conflicts with Batman's whole don't kill anybody ethos, right? Um, the, the story of Batman and Robin so far has been this really interesting story where this guy, this villain nobody... His name is nobody. Who is Henry Ducard's son? Who knows who Batman? He knows Bruce Wayne is Batman, and he has come to Gotham to kind of. He's been killing Batman Incorporated members overseas, and now he's come to America to kind of get rid of Bruce. He Hmm. thinks that Bruce has lost his way as far as. What the 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 ideals are and what the plan is, and he also was jealous of Bruce because uh, Ducard's father, you know, Ducard of yeah. you know, Batman fame, kind of loved Bruce more than he loved um, his own son, mm-hmm. so he has a problem with that. Um, this really plays heavily on the the idea of uh, Damien kind of getting tempted by Ducard to betray Bruce, and kind of, um, and it also tests the Batman not killing anybody. How far does that go? Sure, you know, if you mess with and try to harm his son, is he going to be able to keep up this kind of um, this this ethos that he has? I don't want to get too much into spoilers of the book because it, 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 going to spoilers this is kind of the end of the arc, so it is really tough to talk about aiming this book without spoiling stuff that's happened mm-hmm. beforehand. Yeah. I will say that it's really powerful writing. A really interesting writing, and um, the Patrick Gleason, who's the artist, really knocks it out of the park. It's it's an amazing looking book, and I showed you guys a couple panels before, but you know yeah. it's just Ooh. the colors pop, and you know it's got yeah interesting, you know uh, with uh, pages a lot going on, but they're never busy, they never feel overwhelming, and it, it's interesting because it feels thematically, it seems like it's grown thematically to really feel like it's part of the same universe as Snyder's Batman. It's not as. Sunder has this kind of like easy genius about him that he, you know, the way he constructs plots, and it's not at that level, but it's really good comic book storytelling, and it's really interesting to read the story about these characters who are so different who need to work together. And he does a great job of always finishing off his stories, but then starting another story at the end, which is like a panel or a line. So it makes you want to read the rest, but it leaves you satisfied. So it's been a really. Good run, I, I think, and, it, and it's only gotten better. I'm gonna, so
0: I'm gonna throw that in my uh, to read pile for when I get home. So I'll, I'll do that and I'll do Carnage.
1: Ca- yeah, tonight. Carnage has been really good too. It's a beautiful book to look at. Um, if you if you can't like stand the idea of like the Symbiote people, then you might have a problem <laughs> reading it. But I love that stuff. Yeah, but it's got it's got a great art and it, it's a really cool book. That's brought that up. But, the
2: Symbiote people, I'm lost. Well, here. Carnage
1: and Venom. Oh, okay. And the, 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 the there, those there, there
2: isn't a whole race of them or anything. There's though, not I'm a
1: going... race of them, but there's there's several Symbiote. Creatures uh-huh. out there, um, but anyway, Batman and Robin number seven is an awesome book, and if you haven't been reading it, you know you might want to wait for the trade because the trade should probably be out pretty soon, um, but it's a great run, and if you can get past the first two issues where Damien is a little bit difficult to deal with, and if you can I know some people have trouble dealing with the whole Robin thing in general, that he takes like a young boy out with him to fight crime, <sighs> you know, but this at least I think makes sense because. Bruce's thing is, I'm not gonna be here forever. Somebody has to take over for me, and the logical choice is yeah. gonna be my son. And the other also thing is, no more than that, is if I don't train this kid, he's gonna become like a crazy murderer. <laughs> you know?
3: Yeah. So yeah. I, and I need to, Stabby Stabby. Exactly.
1: <laughs> and I need to let him get his aggressions out in a way that's
2: not homicidal. Hey, not counting Dr. Wortham. It certainly worked. Look at Nightwing. Yeah. You end up with a great character and it all made sense and just mm-hmm. had to give it the time. Let his plan work itself out. Yeah. He's Batman. He'll figure it out.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, But I think it's a great book and everybody should be reading
2: it. Okay. Bob, what about you? Uh, Well, I also have something in the Bat universe, but I do want to mention one thing first that we both enjoyed quite a bit, which is Fantastic Four 604. Ah, yes. Where Jonathan Hickman ties up years worth of storylines in a satisfying package that doesn't feel forced, busy, rushed. Um, the characters are spot on target. Johnny has grown so much under his leadership mm-hmm. here. Just just from FF600 to now, great epic storytelling. Mm-hmm. And i appreciate sure you feel as I do with this one.
1: Yeah, I, I read it actually on the bus to Boston, and it's, it's it's really cool because I've only been reading it since 600. I haven't been reading it for all mm-hmm. these years. That he's been running it, but it has these huge, big ideas happening, and... It has all this stuff that I really don't know that much about, which Celestials is Celestials
2: and Galactus. Yeah, and, yeah,
1: Celestials, Galactus, even Reed and Sue's kids, and like this the the League of Reeds, Reed's or whatever. It's <laughs> Reed's all this dad, yeah. crazy big stuff that's happening. But like all great science fiction stories, it feels important when you're reading it, and the kind of crescendo of everything. The reason why um, Reed uh, Franklin is fighting and all of these things is big and powerful oh. and emotional. And very real feeling.
2: And very personal. Yeah, very personal. When we get personal. to the end, yes. because you, the last couple of pages, yeah. it's the family story that the Fantastic Four should be. Right. We're back to, yeah, it's big, but little at the same time. Yeah. I'm really sad he's leaving. It was great, though. I mean, yeah. it,
1: it, and it, it, I know you said tied together three years of storytelling. Mm-hmm. It also tied together just since 600, it tied all these threads up in sure. a very satisfying way. Um, so, I, yeah, it was really, it was really great. And I actually read fantastic four number one from that fantastic first book Oh, okay you got me it's interesting it was there's like i i I didn't know that the whole thing was like reed's like i'm gonna put this smoke signal up in the air it's the fantastic flare yeah Uh, they're like i must go this thing i had to do is now now here and it's just very weird like i don't know it, it just because it's so different than what I know of the Fantastic Four where they all live together in this one place and all this other stuff. You know, it was interesting, though.
2: You it. know, you, the thing was then, that was so different from everything else coming out. Mm-hmm. The, the thing as a sort of monster hero. The, yeah. The, what, what they attempted there was very different. As you, as you move forward, you'll see it, it, it turns into the book you expect right. eventually.
1: It's funny, though, because like Ben Grimm's in a jewelry store trying to buy jewelry at the beginning. Yeah. And then there's like, oh, he sees a flare. So he doesn't just walk out of the store. He like throws off his cape and he's like I'm this huge monster
2: why must they make doorways so narrow is yeah. the exact as yeah. he smashes and then the he like doorway.
1: rips open the ground and like jumps into the ground well they're
2: shooting at him with machine guns I know. His, he's a monster
1: um, anyway but I, what I did like about it this is yeah. crazy to talk about this book but um, the, the spoiler ta- alert the storytelling <laughs> is interesting because they start out in the present and then they do a flashback yeah it's, it's cool it's cool storytelling but anyway um, Fantastic Four 604 was really good
0: Hey, Could. Steph, are you still with us?
3: Hey, hey. 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 Oh, cool. you,
0: no, should re- you should read. We're both read. so quiet. I know. <laughs> I know. You should read I'm that I'm going to have one.
3: to read Fantastic Four just I have, for this I have the sole purpose the, I that have I can these, jump in I, on yeah. all these conversations. Oh, yeah.
1: I have all these things, but I haven't read them yet. I have that too. Oh, yeah? I have 600 to 604. They're really good. And starting at 600 to go 604, you can read them and be invested. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. Yeah, absolutely. Um,
2: it, it's, but the real book of the week for yes, me this is- this I've read. Is also in the Batman universe. It's Batgirl number seven. Okay. Which was the only one of the new 52 books I picked up, and it was solely because of Gail Simone, the writer, mm-hmm. who was doing Birds of Prey from all the way back at issue 56 and certainly has her mitts into this character of Barbara Gordon. Now, she caught a lot of grief with this book when it came out because now Oracle is going to be out of the wheelchair and walking around. And she caught grief from Disabled Americans Act and all sorts of people who you took our hero away. Mm-hmm. And she said, no, someone, someone else will do this and will really foul it up. I'll do it and I'll, I'll make it work. And it, it took to here maybe to get to because what seems like a regular superhero chasing villain story around here turns itself around into the wounded Barbara who sort of doubts why she's a hero again, why she's walking and other people can't, ends up with Black Canary back in the book a uh, little tete-a-tete where she needs to hit somebody and decides that, well, she'll just go after her friend, uh, Dinah, which doesn't go quite the way she would expect either. She gets her <laughs> butt kicked. But it, it, it puts her back on track. And she rediscovers the person inside that she had been before. It's and, and you end on a nice little twist. We've got a neat set of art here. We have two different artists, and I'm going to mangle these names, unless Stephanie would like to help me mangle them.
3: You can <laughs> do it and then just attach my name to it. Okay. I'll step these up. <laughs> Ar-
2: Ardian Sioff, who's doing the majority of the book. I want to say Adrian. I wrote it here and crossed it out already. And Alethea Martinez, who does the flashback sequences. Um, evocative, moody, action-packed, great cover. Steve put it on his yeah. covers of the week here. And great opening splash page on top of I it. I love that first just,
0: page. It's awesome.
2: Just a neat little book. Uh, I know this isn't one of the big 52s. I don't think it's really selling very well. Uh, sure it, is. it It should. It really it's should. Selling,
0: it's selling pretty well. Yeah? I'm I sure think, it well, is. Yeah. I, what I like the most about the book is I love the narrative. I love her her voice uh, mm-hmm. throughout all the situations. Like One of the things about Batgirl is that she's constantly – She's Not only is she talking in the panels, but she's also telling you what she's thinking as she's going through with her actions, and it adds a whole other uh, view of what's happening sure. within the story. It's her, the self,
2: it's her self-doubt. Yeah. It's when she rediscovers her confidence, it's there, and it just plays itself out nicely.
0: Catwoman's got that, too. I know, I know you're not a big fan of the Catwoman book, but it's got <laughs> that same approach okay. to it.
3: I, I've only read the first one of uh, this run of Batgirl, and I've really enjoyed it so far. Babs. Bad. Bad. But like I was so mad that they got rid of Stephanie Brown. I really, really liked the, Stephanie Brown's yes. run. But I mean, this is the this is Batgirl.
2: This is Batgirl. Mm-hmm.
3: She's um, it's, cured. It's a miracle. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's interesting.
1: So it was what was it like seventy five, the killing joke around that time? Is that when the killing joke was? Yeah. Um, what year wise?
2: Yeah. No, it's much li- it's later eighties, I it's thought. It's later eighties? Yeah.
1: Okay, um, like eighty-five. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, so that's that's when this happened. That's when Batgirl gets, spoiler alert. That's <laughs> yeah. where Batgirl gets paralyzed. <gasps>
2: um, which comes like a- Oracle in a Suicide Squad issue when John Ostrander was doing it. That's what. What no one knew it was Barbara at that point. Nah. It was just the green sort of hmm. computer icon.
3: So like a s- on the bright.
2: Sorry, no, go ahead, Stephanie. I
3: was just gonna say, on the bright side of people, you know, people are angry about this whole she's not handicapped anymore, but you know. They'll always have Professor Xavier or I, I don't even Charles. think so anymore. Professor I think he wants <laughs> Wait, he walks
2: and the, too. And the, and yeah. the chief in the Doom Patrol, yeah, he's he's yeah. dead. So I take it back. I'm sorry. Okay.
3: Daredevil's blind. <laughs> yeah, you no
1: know. It's true. It's true. Daredevil is blind. Um, but that's like a seminal moment, right? The killing joke. Yes, it, it changes a, a character, a huge character in the universe, and it's interesting to see. Like, so Alan Moore decides, <laughs> I'm writing this this kind of self-contained story. Mm-hmm. I'm going to paralyze Barbara Gordon. And then kind of goes, okay, guys, figure it out. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, everybody else is going to write her for the next 25 years. Figure out how you can keep her in the universe and keep her interesting, but, you know, in the wheelchair. Because you take mm-hmm. away a superhero who climbs walls, swings, fights crime, beats people yep. up with her, her physical prowess. And I think what they did with her character was really interesting. Yeah. I, you Both Ostrand
2: and Chuck Dixon, who started the Birds of Prey, where it was just Black Canary and Oracle. Um, thing is, now, Gail Simone had a website that was out in the 90s called uh, Women in Refrigerators. I may be mangling <laughs> this. And it's about the bad things that happen to women superheroes.
0: Cool.
2: How they end up murdered, stuffed in refrigerators, paralyzed, uh, as Ms. Marvel ended up pregnant in some other world and gave birth in three days and... Whoa. So, so it's, it's all this screwy stuff that wouldn't happen to male superheroes that do happen to the distaff side of things.
0: I think that it takes balls to, to write this kind of book. Like Gail Simone, she definitely took a chance with, with making this move with Barbara. I've yeah. been enjoying it. Mm-hmm. People that are
1: all up in arms about it, they need to calm down. <laughs> I agree. 1988 was a killing joke. I was close. You were very close. I thought I was actually. I was watching comic book men the other day, and I thought that they said it was from the seventies, but I could. Have, I probably just saw it hmm? wrong.
3: Uh, yeah, that's what I saw too, and I freaking hate that show.
1: Oh, did you watch it?
3: Huh. I, because I, I, I watched the. We're we're gonna talk about this later, but I was yeah. waiting for the encore presentation of the finale of Walking Dead. Walking Dead, and it was on half an hour later than it was scheduled for. Okay. Like, so I watched part of it, and I can't even. That show makes my blood boil. That's funny. I actually kind of like it, but... I Ugh. can't even stand it. Like,
2: I, haven't, I haven't seen any yet. Is it uh, pandering or is it... Uh, well, we're all geeks. What are all they staged. going do? I don't know it's if it's like... staged.
3: Okay, there's like this one comment that like made my blood boil. Go there for it. There was a girl trying to sell Barbies, like Batgirl Barbie and Wonder Woman Barbie mm-hmm. and all this stuff, and... The guy wouldn't buy the Barbies off her and Kevin Smith was asking him why. And he goes, what did he say exactly? He said, oh, he's like, you should have bought them because, you know, they're superhero figures. Someone would buy them. And he said, it doesn't really matter if they're wearing superhero costumes because underneath it, when their clothes are all off, they're still Barbies.
1: (gasps) But there's there's context. There's context to that. That quote, though, No, there isn't. That, no, there that you're isn't. stripping away. There is. It's because he, sa- he was saying that the customer base in the Secret Stash is not going to buy a, a Barbie, whether it has I a don't superior think that's costume. Right.
2: Um, there I will, would. There will be a, <laughs> a, a written piece on the site soon that actually finishes with this kind of a comment. Yeah. Ooh. Um,
1: it's just one of these things where, like, um, I mean, do, you, you, without that context, yes, you might buy it, but that guy runs the Secret Stash. He knows people buy and what they don't buy
3: well it's not just that comment like that's just one of the things that made my blood boil but Mm. that's i just don't like how openly rude they are to the customers and like (laughs) off air and i think that's one of the things you you wrote an article about what's wrong Mm -hmm. with comic book stores and i think they're what's wrong with comic book stores i think
0: that we should watch the
1: show and make it a topic of the week we can talk about it we can talk about absolutely it's funny because watching that show i have like Kind of double vision because. Double vision. Vision. Sorry. All right. (laughs) Nice Uh, job. Because this is like the Kevin Smith crew, right? right? This is Walt Flanagan and Brian Johnson, and that's his comic book store. And I've heard those guys for countless hours on podcasts, and and I've like grown, have an affection for them as far as like their kind of the way they think and the way they talk. And I, but I can understand why people coming in would find them rude because they are rude. You know, but it's just, I have, I feel like, it's almost like I feel like I know them, you know? So it's like a weird situation to to come
2: into. Well, well He's my, making a good, oh, go ahead, Steph.
3: Oh, my, my best friend, Amy, she listens to the podcast. She's probably the biggest Kevin Smith fan, like, mm-hmm. or at least one of them. And, like, we were talking about the show yesterday, and she has lost, like, almost all of her respect for him because of this. Like, she, mm-hmm. I mean, she still mm-hmm. loves all his other stuff, but... Mm-hmm. Neither one of us can fathom why he would have gone ahead and, you know, did – made the show. It's just – I, mm. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I, I hear why. the anger
2: in your voice.
3: <laughs> well, it's just like – I don't think it's helping comic book stereotypes at all. It's just making things worse to me. Like, it just – yeah. Oh, well, I haven't I seen think a that it,
0: episode yet. I gotta catch
2: this. Well when you want to be inclusive, when you like years and years ago in the fifties, sixties, forties, whatever, girls read comic books. There were comic books for them, they read female superheroes. There was Mary Marvel and Wonder Woman, and those all sold. That has changed. The point he makes about Barbies, um, when they box together action figures If there's a female figure, there's one to a case. Instead of the 12, there are of all the guys. Because Mm -hmm. little boys don't play with little girl Mm -hmm. superhero dolls. Right, yeah. So he's right, but is, is that something you say out loud in the store to the customer? That's just bad public relations and bad retail.
1: Right, but also it's a television show that's meant to produce drama. Because if they were just all nice to everybody wouldn't be in a very interesting television show to well,
3: watch. Well, at the same time, too, I know we're getting into this a lot. It's okay. But, okay. It's all right. Um, like, there's um another person on Twitter, the Nerdy Bird, and she writes for Newsarama and the Mary Sue, mm-hmm. and, you know, she's been following the show and watching it and reviewing it, and she aired her, you know, her anger with it and what she thought was wrong with it. And she gave valid uh, points, and she described, like, why she didn't like it. And, you know, like, it's her opinion. Not everyone has to like the show, but the comic book men on Twitter went out of their way to call her, like, all these nasty names, and wow. they sent, like, the Kevin Smith fans after her, and she got all this hate mail and all this stuff. Ooh, and the like, It was yeah. so nasty. Like, I read the comments that they left her, and I could not believe that these guys did this. Like, she didn't do anything that, you know, like a normal reviewer wouldn't do for a show mm-hmm. they didn't like. Mm-hmm. And they went out of their way because it was a she to like completely ream her out. And I could not believe it. So I don't know. Maybe that's another reason why it irks me too, because I just think that they're actually huge assholes. But <laughs> I, I don't know. It just... Really rubs me the wrong way. I cannot stand this show, and I really hope it gets canceled soon. It already got oh.
1: picked up for a second season. <laughs> uh, and uh, fucking
3: hell. <laughs>
1: well, you don't have to watch it. That's the beauty of television. I know. I will so
2: Should we watch one to review it?
1: I think if, I've watched all of them, <laughs> so I could talk about it for a day. If I've been to hearing hear about,
2: about it. it
0: for weeks. I haven't seen it yet, but I've been hearing about it now. I, now I want to. I want to know.
3: I, I I would watch another show like if we could all.
1: We can do that. We can absolutely do that. Yeah.
2: Um, and then we could send it to him. <laughs> yeah, to, uh, yeah.
3: Yeah. And then they'll yell at me. All
2: right. So anyway, read Batgirl number seven. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> no. and the moral and of the story. The moral of the and, story. And exactly. don't read the newest Avengers. It's terrible. Okay.
1: Okay. All right. Saucer. No, let's go to Stephanie. Let's go first.
2: to Stephanie. Yeah, Steph- I just mean, ladies. I, ladies I She's
1: been of this talk we have to respect the ladies.
0: Yes. <laughs> Here at Talking Comics, we yes. respect All ladies.
1: Respect. And boobs,
0: so. When we're
3: not making fun of me for polar bear internet and exactly. we're or messing for up. Being...
1: But that has nothing to do with your sex, Stephanie.
3: That's true. It's just because I'm a fool. It's because but...
1: you're Canadian. <laughs>
3: that too. <laughs> yeah. Which is so much worse. Yes.
0: So much oh, worse. Ouch. At um, least I get like care. It's true.
1: Oh. Good shot. Truth. Tell you people dying Very for nothing. They're screwed.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um so Stephanie, what is your book of the week?
3: My book of the week is Ultimate Spider-Man number 1. Oh yeah. So I I this came out late last year, I believe. Bobby you know? Yeah, 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 right? yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. So, um, it was written by Brian Michael Bendis and with art by Sarah Pacelli. Mm-hmm. And um, basically, this is like a new Spider-Man story. Uh, who that's focusing on the character of Miles Morales. 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 Morales.
1: Morales. Morales.
3: <laughs> Morales. <laughs> Morales.
1: Your, and, your master um, of Spanish last names is amazing.
3: Uh, I took French. You guys took Spanish. So <laughs> I deal took with it. Italian.
1: Him. All right.
3: <laughs> um, and uh, is he... I'm going to just ask because I don't want to make is, any assumptions. He is black He's Hispanic.
0: Yeah, he's both. He's, he's black and okay. Hispanic. Yes.
3: Okay. So, um, basically, this story is... its He's in the midst of trying to get into a good school. And a few events take place. And he winds up, like Peter Parker, getting bit by a spider, which ultimately changes miles.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, but if you're familiar with Brian Michael Bendis, that one event like where he gets bit by the spider is like the last page of the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything mm-hmm. else mm-hmm. is just building up to what's going to happen and you're learning about Miles and his family and getting a little bit of a backstory that's not there's there's not a lot of giveaways to it. There's just sort of subtle hints, but um it's basically just building up his character, mm-hmm. which is what Bendis is typically known for correct
1: yeah, yeah absolutely I mean there was a lot of criticism when he first started the first ultimate spider-man mm-hmm. because it took I, I think it was if it was not a whole issue it was two issues for him to become spider-man and people kind of you know the, the, the kind of the set of people who want that storytelling to come out like with a bang initially get kind of set but I think it's his biggest strength is when he kind of takes his time in, in establishing the character it's a new it's a new character. It's not Mm -hmm. Peter Parker, you know, so.
2: I'm about to go on a rant. Um, (laughs) It's what they now call decompression, the whole idea of pulling the storyline out Mm -hmm. further and further like this. Um, Someone made the point recently, if you look back at Amazing Fantasy 15, it's the first Spider-Man story. There are two of the stories in the book. Spider-Man's origin takes 11 pages. And it's all there. I would challenge you to find me something that's missing in the eleven pages. Yeah, but are we now writing to the trade? Let's just keep.
1: But correct me if I'm wrong, Stephanie. Let me ask you a question here. Mm-hmm. Do you think it, that um, it taking so long for him to get bitten? Basically, the whole issue. Do you think that's a negative or a positive for the book?
3: Um, I I think it's a positive because for me, like, I mean. We all know, I, I haven't read really a lot of Spider-Man in my time, but I know all about Spider-Man from, you know, the movies, reading about it mm-hmm. and this and that, but I don't know anything about this guy. And I don't want, like, I wouldn't have known if this story hadn't been built up. You know, I, I think it's good that it's not just, oh, page one, he's bitten by a spider. Oh, new Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think so too. <laughs> it takes this time to i mean and it's not just focused on miles it Mm-mm. there's there's a couple other scenes that i won't really get into it's, but
0: can i just interject with something yeah yeah sorry go ahead it's also it's not peter parker's story it's miles's mm-hmm. story yeah. you can't just give him the same like i know that you're rebooting it but you're it's a different mm-hmm. he takes over after spider-man dies <sighs> yes Spoiler. alert. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not a spoiler alert. <laughs> all right.
1: The, the, the little name of the comic book was "The Death of Spider-Man." Right. So, right. Okay.
0: So, but that's like my point being is that if it takes an issue, first of all, the the issue until he gets bitten by the spider is all character building. Yeah, absolutely. And it's great character. Mm-hmm. I I've read. I'm all caught up. Me too. I think yeah. Maybe maybe the last issue, the newest one. Um, I didn't read, but I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I me think so. it's awesome. Mm-hmm. And um. Pacelli's art is amazing. I don't know why. And she's, they... back she's back now. She's back. Thank God, because when they changed it, I was devastated. Yeah. But she's back. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, you, I I want to to get to know the character before we get to, I already know that they're going to become Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. I want to get to know the character mm-hmm. before I even know that they're worthy of being bit by the spider. Right.
3: I, I think so too. Like, I mean, and I, I just, I thought, I mean, they don't give you a lot about him, but, It just did a really good job of sort of introducing his mannerisms and, Mm -hmm. like, just kind of what he's going through right now. And there's lots of hints that he kind of has a hard life and Mm -hmm. he wants to get away from it. And I I like that sort of subtlety to it. And I think it's going really interesting places. I mean, obviously, it has if you guys are still reading it. But for me, reading number one. I'm sorry.
0: No, no. I just I'm like, he's a kid. Mm -hmm. You know, he he is
3: really young. yeah. Yeah.
0: He is a straight-up kid, mm-hmm. and they they let you know that. Like the reason that he doesn't get bitten until the last page is because they're telling you, like, this is a child, mm-hmm. and this child is going to be gifted with Spider-Man's abilities. Right? Holy shit! Yeah, and he's but got. They're like, not. Oh, what's, what's sorry,
3: up? sorry, sorry. I was going to say they were just not quite the same abilities. No, though. they're not quite the no, same. No, they're not. But yeah. it, well,
0: it's a variation. But yeah. You know, I, 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 one of the better characters one of the best characters in it is his best friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who is like, you know, once he gets bitten and such, he's psyched. Yeah, he's really excited and it's, about it. And it's a
1: fun character. <laughs> yeah, he's very... The, the cool thing about it, too, is they paint... Is is that the Miles Morales story doesn't start after Peter is dead. It starts before Peter's dead. So the, there's this... It, it paints the... It, it, it goes along with that backdrop until a couple issues mm-hmm. in where then we see Peter die and then, which kind of begins really the origin of Miles as as Spider-Man, you know? And it, I, the thing I love about it is that, the thing about the Ultimate Universe with Spider-Man is that Peter is also a kid. Mm-hmm. Peter was also a kid when he becomes Spider-Man. It's not like it is now an amazing where he's, you know, 20-something-year-old mm-hmm. guy. He was 13 or whatever when, when Bendis started Ultimate Spider-Man or around that age. Um, so it does really press this whole... What would happen if this kid had to do all these things, but he still had to deal with being a kid? You know, and um, I think it's just—I think the character stuff is not is not filler. It's not padding. It is making you care about Miles Morales before y- you care about Spider Man. You know, yeah, you care absolutely. about Spider Man because he's Miles Morales, not because he's Spider Man. You know, not because he wears a costume and swings around, which are all cool things, don't get me wrong. But to me, to be quite honest with you, um, and obviously, Stephanie, you haven't seen any of this yet because you only read the first issue. But yeah. the action stuff is kind of the least interesting stuff to me. You know, it's it's not that it's not good, but I'm when it's on, when it, when it's going on, I'm like, I want to get back to what's going on with Miles and his mother and... His father. His father yeah. and you know, his uncle and, you know, how is he dealing with keeping this a secret and, and dealing with the way people react to this person running around in a costume that looks like this hero of theirs that has just died, you know? Because Aunt May, Gwen Stacy, Mary Jane, they exist in this universe. They're not gone. And Miles is mm-hmm. in the same city. You know, and it's, they see this guy swinging around in a Spider-Man costume. How are they going to react to that? you know yep um like there's this great moment later on and where this last page of a book and i won't say what characters but this character kind of confronts him while he's swinging around and is like what the hell do you think you're doing
0: oh i remember that yeah you
1: know and it's just a great moment you know and i i absolutely love it and i'm so glad that you brought it up because i don't think we've really talked about it yet on the show and i'm so glad you picked it as your book of the week
3: so, i yeah like i mean i've been hearing so much about it and again, living in PEI, I I didn't have like a lot of access to as many comic books as I would like to have. And I, I, this is something that I've been wanting to check out and a universe I've been wanting to dive into. And I thought this was a really great way to, I mean, I want to know more about Peter Parker too and his run of stuff, Mm -hmm. but I'm really digging this story and I like where it's going. And I, I, I think it's great. I think it's like Bendis has this way of like the superhero part of the story is almost sort of like just sort of a setting. Mm-hmm. Like he wants to focus on the person behind it. And I think that's a really almost unique, well not, I guess, new, y- unique, but it's an interesting view. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Niels.
1: And I mean, he gets to start with a fresh character too. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have to worry about years and years and that years of, <laughs> of stuff to live up to. And if you want to read, um, you should at least read Stephanie the Death of Spider-Man arc that came right before this. I want that. I'm pretty sure it's out in trade try. at this point. but um, Buy it for me. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Stephanie, you have anything else you want to say about Ultimate Spider-Man? Ultimate Comics Spider-Man yes. number one?
3: I, I, I know this is like the silliest thing, but I totally got a kick out of like how they kept referencing the number 42. <laughs> mm, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
1: Just the meaning I'm, of life.
2: Yeah. What Anyways. Was, what does that, that mean? What am, I, what, what am I missing? It's one of the... Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah. Oh, I've yeah. never. Okay. It's, also it's the meaning
3: a, of life.
1: Yeah, it's also oh. a number and Lost.
3: Mm-hmm. Oh, so it but, is. But mm-hmm. what,
2: that's the answer. What was the question? Do you remember?
3: Wait, what was the meaning of life?
2: What? Well, that's 42. But the question was, what is six times nine?
3: Uh, <laughs> that's
1: yeah. pretty funny. All right, so... Um, <laughs> Sorry.
2: Sci-fi humor.
1: <laughs> wee, wee. <laughs> So we're going to move on from our superhero books. Steve, you're going to talk about a new Vertigo book that came out. Yes, I am. Uh, Paul Cornell and
0: uh, art by Ryan Kelly, a book called Saucer Country, number one. You're still holding your
1: I don't know why. I don't know why. You're like presenting an invisible something to me. I was reaching out my hand. I was like, Steve, you talk. And I reached out my hand to him and then I just left it there. (laughs) (laughs) Because <laughs> my brain started, I started like paying attention what you were saying. Yes, so I stopped focusing. All
0: right. I'll well, apparently in this uh, Vertigo book, we are at the point in our human evolution where we might be able to accept a uh, divorced Hispanic female presidential candidate. Mm. Wow! Wow! Awesome. Um, now, what I liked the, the setup of this is is um, this governor. Whose name is I love I absolutely love her name is Arcadia Alvarado. I think it's a very strong Mm -hmm. female comic book character name. She wakes up in uh, like by like a cliffside, and she has her ex in the car with her. They've both just woken up. She's all disoriented, and she's having these like flashes of being um, being abducted by aliens. She. Doesn't know what's going on. She shrugs it off because she's got a big day tomorrow. She's possibly going to be or is going to be announcing her candidacy for the uh, president of the United States. All of her, there's a lot of characters in this book, and even the inconsequential characters are personable and likable. Like her, her secretaries and the people that are helping her with her campaign. Like at this stage of the game, they're not even important, but they're they're fun to read. Like, I, I actually like, like, her, her assistant or PA or whatever the hell uh, this guy is. But he's, like, warm. I don't know how else to mm-hmm. say it. Like, you could tell that there is, mm-hmm. like, a history and a friendship there. Um, so that's really cool. And perhaps the coolest part about Saucer Country is that I, it's about aliens. And it's about as traditional aliens. Like, fire in the sky mm. kind of aliens where, you know green or, or pale Martian-like things with the big almond eyes, little mouths and stuff like that, reading a lot of superhero books and seeing, I mean, everybody's from space and all mm-hmm. these intergalactic mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, things yeah. that are coming out and all these tentacle beasts mm-hmm. and stuff. It's really cool to kind of revert back to like an X-Files approach mm-hmm. to alien comic book writing. And if you think about it like conceptually how i mean it's only the first issue for me i've read it 3 times i i thought it really entertained me it pulled me in i definitely want to see because you would imagine that if she's governor and she's running for the presidency obviously she's going to become the president mm-hmm. it's just you know right. duh mm-hmm. how cool would it be to have the president of the united states know that there was going to be an invasion Mm -hmm. And they're the ones receiving the messages. They're the ones that are like, the alien is Mm -hmm. like, you belong to us, and soon you will find out exactly what I mean by Mm -hmm. that. And the person who eventually ends up being the leader of the nation is in on this impending invasion and can actually be in a position to prepare the nation Mm -hmm. for intergalactic war Mm
2: -hmm. or be the interstellar benedict arnold yeah (laughs) yeah
0: or be be the conduit Mm -hmm. or or be like the the tool that that gets them the in and they take over whatever whatever it ends up being the issue number one gives you enough like intrigue and enough mystery as to where the story might go that by the end of the third page uh the last page it was just i was like i wanted issue number two right away Mm -hmm. Um, really solid writing, like I said, great characters. There's also another character that I I failed to mention before named Professor Kidd, who is very entertaining. He sees, I wrote it down on my phone, he sees basically when he's talking to people. Do you remember what it was? It's
2: the couple from Voyager 10. that They were on the satellite that got sent out the space probe You're just doing sort of, you know, hi, we're we're here on Earth with the little hydrogen molecule and they're talking to him.
0: Right. They're like six inches tall. They're naked. They're like little (laughs) holographic people. And he's having this like career-ending meeting with all these higher ups. And he's like kind of got his head down. He's looking down on his knee and he's talking to his like imaginary (laughs) friends. And they're telling him what he has to Mm -hmm. say. And I don't know what his part in the story yet is I mean he wrote he works at a university and he wrote a book about aliens and they were pissed about it that's really the only that thing that you get from mm-hmm. him but another interesting character that mm-hmm. seems like he's going to have a lot of depth and that he will add a lot to the story and um it's really cool to see another somebody who's not like a Batgirl or a Catwoman have a female um, comic book character who's a very real person mm-hmm. in a very real situation. And have her be a very uh, headstrong person, you know? I yeah. just I, I enjoyed reading it. I like strong characters, and mm-hmm. they definitely established that she's not fucking around just in right. the first issue.
1: The, uh, Paul Cornell is the guy who writes Demon Knights, and I yes. think Stormwatch. Yes. Right? Okay. Yes. Um, from the plot description, and for some reason the cover makes me think of a Stephen King story for some reason. I don't know why but it's just like a weird vibe that I get hmm. from it. Could be. Um, not that it is, but it just has like that vibe to me. Um, so that's Saucer Country. That's a Vertigo book, and it was out this past week, correct? Yes. All right. So um, we're going to stay with you. We're going to go off the beaten path. Oh, we're doing that already. Yeah, what else are we, we going to do? I, I don't You're know. the last person to go. I am. Yeah. <laughs> Double up. Yes.
0: We can
3: rant some more about something else. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, my, my, my off the beaten path is going to be brief, but we're actually going to do two things. Okay. One really quick. Yeah, I got the, the air bunnies going on. <laughs> it looks um, like Richard Nixon more. Yeah. Um, I, because one of my my good friends from the uh, MFC community, which is part of Joblo.com, uh Errico Darko, I believe, he sent me a link, the good man that he is, to the first episode of the new Avatar series, Legend of Korra. And I got to see it last night. I know I talked about it a couple weeks ago when I covered the... F- book 1 of the new Avatar series in between all that. Anyway, it's very 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 good. It's very different mm-hmm. from the it still has the same tone of the old Avatar, but this the show has grown up. It's no longer like the kitty fest that it was with like zany antics going on. I had no idea that Legend of Korra was going to oust almost every character in the series. The only person that's still alive is Katara, and she's like 90 years old. Hmm. Um, this, so this is her granddaughter is the new Avatar. And what happens is um, Zuko, the Fire Lord, he built a new nation. He united all the nations and called it Republic City. And she is basically off to learn the last of her techniques, which is the airbending from her uncle. And she has to travel to Republic City, and she becomes kind of like a, like a superhero of the people when she gets there. Um, I won't see much more of it, because obviously it's not even out yet. Mm. But um, it just really took me by surprise. I was not prepared. When I sat down, I thought that I'd be hanging out with Aang and, and mm-hmm. Sokka and you know Toph and everybody, and it's not. It's all like they're children as adults. Mm-hmm. They're gone. Mm-hmm. And it was really weird, but it was still really cool. And it's got much more of a like a young adult uh anime feel to it than a Nickelodeon kids show. Cool. So when you watch mm-hmm. it, be prepared.
1: Awesome.
0: Um, second order of business is uh Batgirl number 14 from the Stephanie Brown run.
4: Yay!
0: Yeah! <laughs> uh that yes, of course is uh Brian Q. Miller with art by Lee Garbett. And uh, basically what it is, is, I always say basically. Why can't I just tell people what it is?
1: That's all right, man. Don't worry about it. <laughs> basically, it's what it is. <laughs> all right.
0: <laughs> you have Batgirl and you have Supergirl versus Dracula. All right.
4: Cool. <laughs> it's,
0: yeah. It's an awesome, awesome issue. You don't have to read any other issue to get into this. You can mm-hmm. pick it up right off the shelf, get right into it. And uh, what it is, is Batgirl is home. She's a typical Friday night. She's playing Scrabble with her mother. And losing badly. And losing badly. She's bored out of her mind. And lo and behold, a friend flies into town uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, knocks on her door and says, let's go out for the night. And they decide to go to the movies. What they don't know is that somebody at the college is working on, uh, they're working with force fields. And they're basically looking to freeze moments. And what they end up doing is they take a... Um, 24 frames a second worth of film of the 3D Dracula film and they end up bringing 24 Draculas out into the city yeah. and it's Batgirl and Supergirl going after the Draculas um, it's absolutely it's very endearing it's very funny um, this ver- this version or these iterations of Supergirl and Batgirl their personalities play off of each other Um. The camaraderie between the Mm -hmm. two girls is just absolutely, there's no other word for it, but Mm -hmm. adorable. It's two
2: teenage girls that are friends.
0: Right. And they talk like teenagers. There's jokes. There's really funny, like, Batman rips and and puns and all kinds of stuff. My favorite, there's lots of good ones, but my favorite panel in the whole uh, issue is, I think it's Supergirl. Dracula's in one of those photo booths where they take the four pictures like you put in your five dollars, yeah, whatever astronomical yeah, yeah, yeah. amount AKA that they a charge. photo booth. Yes, <laughs> <a> photo booth. <laughs> Jesus, see if I ever take a picture with you.
3: Well, no, you just said photo booth, like and then you explained it.
0: <laughs> they might not. They, people have not used them in a long time. When's the last time you were in one of those?
3: Like uh, two or three years ago. <laughs> exactly.
0: It's a while. Anyway. <laughs> so, Dracula's in there. He doesn't know what the hell it is. He's looking around in one panel. The next panel, is like, Oh, what is this? Yeah, yeah, what <laughs> this is this? And then Supergirl comes in, and she she stakes him with these, like, special photon stakes or whatever. <laughs> um, he, he dissipates into nothing, and the last picture is Batgirl and Supergirl, like, crossing their eyes, sticking out their tongues, yeah. giving the peace symbol, just... Like in the midst of killing all these vampires, still having a really good time <laughs> and having like a girls' night out—that's yeah, what you would do, exactly. So anyway, um, yeah, it's not so much off the beaten path as it is uh, Batgirl and, and DC and whatnot. Right. But if you can find it, if you could find it online, if you can grab it from one of your local shops, uh, mm. you don't need to—you uh, don't need to read anything else to enjoy it. It's tons of fun. Uh, again, Batgirl. Number 14 of the Stephanie Brown run. Find it, read it, love it.
3: And I love the cover for it too. Oh, it's yeah. amazing.
2: With it's amazing. 24 Bill Lagosi Dracula's <laughs> hanging around and
0: Yeah, it's fan- yeah. it's fantastic.
3: And Steph Brown has a special place in my heart.
2: I can't tell if they did they probably did this on purpose. There's one
0: panel that if you have three D glasses on, which I dug out my three D glasses <laughs> and I looked at it, it actually
1: is in 3D. <sighs> oh wow.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. So I, w-
1: I think it would be refreshing if Batgirl and Supergirl were going out for a night and something crazy didn't happen. Mm, <laughs> yeah, that would be yeah. a crazy comic book because True have a cappuccino. Story. and He would figure yeah. that if they got together something crazy would happen. Is it Kara still? It's Kara Zorow, right? The Supergirl? Yes. yes. It is? Right, okay. Um, Which th- one? Who knows Why, at yeah, this but point? I, yeah. But she's called Kara Zorow. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. That's, what, that's what I wanted to know. All right, so that's it for Off the Beaten Path. Um, we're going to take a little bit of a break and we'll come right back to talk about the Walking Dead. All right, we are back, and we're here to talk about The Walking Dead, um, the TV version, kind of mixing some common talk as well. Um, this past week was the finale of The Walking Dead, and it pulled in 9 million viewers, which I'm pretty sure is a cable TV record. Sure. It's been breaking records all year. Um, it's kind of insane, the popularity of the show. We'll talk about the quality of the show later, but just the kind of zeitgeist it's hit, you know, for it to be a zombie television show on AMC, huge. You know, hugely popular. And it's, I mean, it's gone far beyond people who read the comic books. I'm sure most people who watch the show have never even picked no. up.
2: Or one. even know it's a comic book. Yeah, yeah.
1: exactly. Um, so, I figured we should probably, and also we had a, trailer for the game that's coming out as well that came out this week yeah i saw that earlier yeah it's telltale the guys who've done the sam and max games and they did the back to the future games and stuff it would have been nice if they'd actually
0: showed some gameplay or
1: the little bit that yeah they there was showed. like there was like two seconds of gameplay. yeah
0: I, if the 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 game looks the the graphic style of it yeah is fantastic but i would have liked if it's just gonna be another zombie video game like
1: dead island or i think it's gonna be more like adventure game
0: like um
3: it's a separate story like from the show and the comics. It's mm. um, focusing on I think there's um, an ex-convict or something okay who like finds a kid and they kind of help each other. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think it's I think I think that's what the story is and it's not somebody who's in the show or the comics.
1: I mean, Separate. the thing I'm more, the thing I just question is that, like the gameplay stuff. Is like, is it going to be like a point and click adventure like most of their stuff, or is it going to be like Jurassic Park game that came out, which was kind of reviled by a lot of people. I never played it, but oh, um, it's gonna be like that, huh? yeah. So I don't know. If, I don't know. We have no idea. But so it's a Walking Dead is a big deal right now, mm-hmm. and. We're all, we've all seen at least some of the show, and I thought it'd be interesting to talk about this, because we had the finale, and don't worry, we're not going to spoil the finale for you, we're not going to get into specifics, um, this is more a discussion about, Stephanie and I um, have watched the entire run, and we, we've seen through the finale, correct, Stephanie? hmm yep, yep. Um, Steve, you watched up to the mid-season finale? Yeah, I I've seen all of
0: season one and half of season two,
1: and Bob kind of checked out after like three episodes, three episodes of the, first, episodes, of the yeah. first season. So we have an interesting dichotomy here, and I think it kind of covers kind of several different um, viewpoints on 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 this show, mm-hmm. right? And I kind of want to get into it. Um, so. Bob, you checked out before any for anybody, right? So we'll do this Start in with the sequence. You. Why did you stop watching Walking Dead?
2: Um, let me preface it by saying when I saw the show coming on, mm-hmm. Frank Darabont, who did The Mist, which you I love that movie, and especially the black and white version. People yeah. should watch it Fantastic. in black and white. Find the double disc set. He's
1: the best person doing Stephen King adaptations in right. the entire. So
2: world. I, I was really excited. I went and got from my local comic store the first issues mm-hmm. so I could sort of get some backstory, and the first issue was is wonderful. Mm-hmm. And I start to watch the, the episode, and it's, I don't know, it's 28 days later,
4: mm-hmm, sort of. Yeah. It, it it
2: opens in the same way. Mm-hmm. The actors, I wasn't thrilled with, except seeing Michael Rooker, it's always fun.
1: Right. I um, forgot he was on the show. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, he
2: got out there in a yeah, hurry. Yeah. And it's just, having seen Night of the Living Dead, you know, 40-odd years ago, it was just a revisit of all the things I saw before, and people like Romero had done better, mm. And so a couple episodes in of, okay, they're all in a department store, and they're hiding under cars, and there are Mm -hmm. hordes of zombies in the street. Been there, done that, sort of? Okay. And uh, maybe I checked out too Mm -hmm. soon. Maybe the storyline expanded beyond that, but Mm -hmm. I never had the urge then to go back in. So you were never enthralled with the show at all?
1: Not even after the pilot.
2: Wanted to be. The first episode, I said, I have to watch the second because mm. I, I owe it to them to watch mm. the second one. Not that they were counting my Nielsen numbers. Right, but yeah. I, I should at least watch the second. Nope, didn't hook me. Okay.
1: Um, Steve, obviously, you, 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 took, you stopped watching that that long ago. You plan on catching up eventually, but you didn't feel that need to keep watching. And when like, why did that happen for you? It happened for me because, well, let me first
0: say that, I mean, I love the comics. Mm-hmm. I've read the compendium and I have I think up to volume 12 of the of the trades. And I just think that when they made the show, it, I mean, I try not to hold it up against the books too much, but mm-hmm. to me it just it paled in comparison to to the books. And I'm willing to to give something room to move around something like True Blood, for example, is radically different from the books and had become its own thing, but it was still a lot of fun.
3: Mm-hmm. Right. Well, um, the first season.
0: I like True Blood. <laughs> <laughs> Any, We're not talking about True Blood, okay? Yeah, <laughs> That's anyway, for next week. <laughs> um, and first season was the best season for the record. Anyway, um, why did I stop watching it? I stopped watching it because I don't watch television. Mm-hmm. I watch Box sets. Mm-hmm. I don't, or or I download or whatever. Um, I am too much of an erratic person to bring myself to sit down each week. I can't even bring myself to set the DVR. That's how lazy I am mm-hmm. about watching television. The only thing that I watched religiously when it was on was uh, Sons of Anarchy. That was it. Okay. Um, but I stopped watching it because I felt like the second season kind of suffered from the same thing that Heroes season two suffered from where Hero was in Japan for mm-hmm. like six yes. or seven episodes. The thing with the I know we've harped about it before, but it's with fine. the girl going missing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, this is a while ago, so I'm spoiling this for mm-hmm. you, I hope, people, but she goes missing. Right. And then they wrap that up. They do. Eventually. They mm-hmm. do. And they took a part of the story in from the books, and I know it's not the books, but they took something that I was very, very much interested in and very much looking forward to, which was basically the relationship between the two children. Mm-hmm. Because of all the characters in in the the story, they're the ones that I'm kind of the most interested in because okay. you don't see too many kids going through a zombie apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Usually when you have a zombie apocalypse movie, it's you know grown-ass people with guns and survivalism and the whole thing. They don't usually have to toe around kids and if they do the kids usually end up in tragedy and they mm. die and whatnot. Right. Yeah, a
2: couple of quick minutes of shooting right. them in the head and it's mm-hmm. over right
0: or you go zombie baby like a dog yeah. dead yeah, yeah. <laughs> but with the, with the walking both dead both versions like, actually they like well, Carl so, and go on Steph go on.
3: I was gonna say don't spoil it for everyone subtle
0: well, all right, but anyway. carry on <laughs> I'm just well no this is this is halfway through the season it's a mid-season so. finale I mean yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, they took, they took an aspect of something that I was really looking forward to away from me, mm-hmm. and when they did that, it was such a radical... There's so many things that were supposed to happen, conversations that would have gone on, or just an aspect of the story mm-hmm. to watch the kids going through this apocalypse that I was interested in, and now... It's different.
1: Right. So you have a dissonance kind of with what you read and what you want to happen with what's happening in the show. Yeah. And I just don't think that the show is is as good as people. Okay. Like
0: if I'm going to watch something, if I'm actually going to sit down, my, the show is not going to be The Walking Dead. Right. I would rather wait for like Breaking Bad mm-hmm. to come back. The, la- the final season, I will watch that. hmm I don't feel the. I've never really liked The Walking Dead all that much. Like I even remember going into the store to buy the season when it came out, Mm -hmm. and I had it in my hand. And I usually don't have to think about what I buy DVD wise. You Mm -hmm. know me. I'm pretty ridiculous Mm -hmm. with it. Mm -hmm. But like I sat there and I had it in my hands, and I was like, I I guess. Mm -hmm. Like when I do that, that's not a good sign, right? And uh, I don't know. It just it doesn't live up to my expectations. And I, I Lori annoys the piss out of me. Mm-hmm. Shane's character is a douche. Mm-hmm. He's still around, and I'm just like I, I'm. I'm really I don't know. I'll watch it when it when it comes out on on mm-hmm. DVD. Or mm-hmm. because we're talking about it now, I'll probably go and catch up because I hate to be left out of stuff. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs>
1: but <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, I just don't feel the
1: compulsion. Okay. I don't care. Yeah. I mean, that, and that's. One of my biggest things with TV, right, is that it's a commitment to watch a television show. Yes. it's not like watching a movie. You don't, have to, you know, not it's not two hours. It's it can be you know hundreds of hours of, of your life, a hundred hours of your life to watch a television show, and you need to feel that have that compulsion. And I think I know a lot of people feel the same way you do, Steve, about that, that losing that compulsion to watch the show. And I was in a lot of place where you were um, after the first season of the show. I I started out the show, the pilot. I ab- I thought was brilliant. I thought the pilot was amazing. Mm-hmm. I thought the pilot was. Uh, 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 yes it treaded a lot of the same water as a lot of zombie stories but I think you have to you have to tread that water before you get to the new stuff right you have to establish the base and you also have to remember that yes to us it's retreading much water but to a a general TV audience maybe they don't watch zombie movies maybe they haven't watched Mm -hmm. 10 zombie movies maybe they've <clears throat> they've seen one zombie movie or they you know they maybe they've heard of zombie movies or you know they've seen the jokes about zombie movies but they haven't really watched one you know they've seen
2: thriller but no. yeah. <laughs> yeah or the
1: movie they maybe they've seen the new dawn of the dead which is a good zombie movie but it's like they don't have that it's just like when you're reading anything when you're in comic book anything to us things become rote and overdone but to some people it's the first time they're seeing stuff like this so i think as a zombie thing it was done really really well um and i thought that they especially in the pilot they 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 hit an emotional center and they made rick an interesting character who ran to the you know the the man on the way like the man with this kid and i feel like they established a relationship and really knocked it out of the park and then i felt like every episode after that it didn't it didn't feel like a television show to me it felt like okay we're going to we're we're making like a 100 hour long movie and this is the first act you know and it's going to be mm-hmm. eight, 9 hours long and um, which is one of the reasons actually why I don't like the way that he had to leave, but Darabont leaving I don't think is the worst thing in the world for the show because I don't think Darabont quite gets how to do a TV show where moment-to-moment stuff happens. That was my biggest problem with the show okay. was that I felt like watch show like Lost um, which is a sh- show primarily that has, it's not n- anything like it as far as like what the threat is, but it is people, a group of people stranded in a place where things aren't the way they're supposed to be, right? Um, Lost, whatever you feel about how, where Lost went, the brilliance of Lost was that they made the this they had like the sci-fi element that was interesting, but all the character stuff was the reason to watch the show. Was what are the characters going through? What's uh, going on? The Walking Dead tries to do that. It tries to go. You got to care about Rick. You got to care about Shane. You gotta, but those character moments to me, for the first season,
2: didn't pay off, you know? No, it didn't seem like good drama. Even the no. three I saw, it just no, wasn't paying off at all. Um, well, I think
3: sometimes it's hard to kind of get in on what they're feeling and going through because they don't have flashbacks and things. Mm-hmm. Like, you just get to see how they're coping and how they're learning to, you know, adapt to this scenario and they're becoming more, you know, like, animalistic in the sense that it's like, you know, kill things or die and mm-hmm. survival instincts. And I mean, like it's just, you. they do have a bit of, there has been some backstory, like yeah. flashbacks, but mm-hmm. I, I like that about the show that you don't really have, that you only have what's going on with mm-hmm. this apocalypse.
1: Right. Yeah. And I, I don't need flashbacks, but my thing is, and this is the general life of the show, you know, just without spoilers is that I feel like these characters Never do; they always do the stupidest thing they could possibly do. It's true. They (laughs) never do. And again, this is again, this is something about my heart. Mm -hmm. The first season, and a lot with the beginning of the second season. They always do the stupidest possible thing, and I can. It feels artificial to me a lot of the time. You know, it felt like we're doing the stupid thing so that we can get into this situation. Because if we did the smart thing. We'd never get into the situation.
2: Yeah, never be in danger, never be a threat. You, you okay. know
1: what I mean? Um, and that kind of brings me up to what... I, I did not like the, the mid-season finale. I thought it was p- poorly done. I was tired of the, the, the Shane stuff. I was tired of the, the, them looking for this little girl. I was tired of them being on the farm and nothing happening. Um, That's what I'm talking about. Right. So, th- a problem with that. Um, I did... Very much like the second half of the season, even though the kind of stupidity still happens. You know, I
0: heard like I didn't even watch the show and just mm. through Twitter and whatnot, I'd, people were flipping out over like one or two events that had gone on. I don't know what they were. Right,
1: there were some big events that happened. There's some really big stuff that happens in the end of the show. And- I saw the final. Like I know one
0: thing, right. That I, I saw, mm. but um the character showing mm. up. But beyond that, I just, uh, you were saying something? The,
1: uh, the, the generality of the thing is like, my problem with The Walking Dead, and then I'll, Stephanie, I want you to talk about what you think of the show, um, mm. is that I feel like the episodes are like, they're like a 44 minute episode. Like 35 minutes of it is really good stuff, cool, st- amazing makeup work, great action scenes, cool character moments. But there's always like one scene that's just garbage. Hmm? You know, hey. that just a character does something that I don't... Rick talking to uh, Jesus. I can't whatnot. understand. <laughs> I don't mind that stuff, but I can't understand why a character would act this way. And then it kind of takes me out a little bit. Stephanie, what is your kind of overall opinion of the show?
3: Um, well, first of all, I just wanted to say something about like your comment to the stupidity of the people. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I hate all of the characters. Like, all of them. <laughs> I, I do not like any of them at all. What about and, Glenn? I, actually, that's a lie. I do like Glenn, yeah, but Glenn, I hate Glenn. everyone else. And like, there's um, there's something that goes on with Andrea, and she wants to learn how to shoot, and she's like a really big part of the comics, mm-hmm. and her ability to sort of adapt to killing zombies, and they've made her into this like really odd, horrific character that I just freaking hate. And Lori's <laughs> like. Yeah, you shouldn't learn how to shoot because you need to help us with the laundry, and you should leave that to the men. I would punch her in the ovaries if
1: (laughs) it was me. Like again, like this is the things
3: you want me to do laundry.
1: This is one of these things that like I have a problem with people like uh, going forward because you don't have to agree with all the viewpoints of all the characters. (laughs) You know, it's
3: just like I don't think it's like
1: Robert Kirkman being like women get in the kitchen. (laughs)
4: It
3: just
0: I missed that like, last part stuff. Yeah, we'll
3: oh I said I just can't fathom why that was important to include in the show. Like to, for them to establish that. Like, mm. oh, you shouldn't be learning how to shoot, you should be learning how to do the laundry better. Like what? Oh, oh well, it, I think I don't the don't point think the of that conversation going care if you smell squeaky clean.
1: Right. I think the point of that conversation was you're off doing the stuff and you're making everything harder for us. That's the yeah, point.
3: I mean, I get where that's coming from, but it's still kind of silly to me but anyways as far as the show as a whole goes um I I liked the first season I didn't love it um I sort of got pulled back into it I I don't know why I guess I everybody just kept talking about it and I wanted to be included in it too like you mm-hmm. Steve <laughs> I wanted to know what That's was
0: going on part of my problem with the show is that I feel a compulsion to to watch it just because everybody else is talking about it. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And I I think that's
0: where it gets a lot of its audience is mm -hmm. that people like at the water cooler, Mm -hmm. like if you didn't watch the walking dead,
1: you have to go somewhere else for lunch. Loser. Uh, Yeah. But it's it's fair. It's way better than some of the drivel that gets put out on other networks. Oh, definitely.
3: Definitely. Definitely. But I just, I find that, um, like, okay, the first season had six episodes, correct? Yeah. And this season had 12. 12?
1: I think so yeah 12 or 13
3: Um, And for a show that has Such short episodes there is still so much Filler it's just too Much filler mm-hmm. for me like they just Fill the gaps with all this Stuff that I don't care about and really I could just like record the episode On my computer put it in Like iMovie and cut Out like all the Shit and I'd be left <laughs> with six minutes mm-hmm. Of important <laughs> plot Points right and that's kind of what I want to do with the show. Like, I don't want to watch half the stuff that goes on. I want to watch how the story's developing because the characters aren't.
0: I could not nope. have said it better myself. Preach. <laughs> it's, Amen.
3: And, I, I mean, I think the zombies are incredibly well done. I think it's an incredibly interesting story because it's not – the sense that they're always running away from zombies. Zombies are sort of a setting as opposed to, mm-hmm. a, I mean, they are a threat, but you know, right. it's sort of a survival story as opposed to anything else. Mm-hmm. And I just, I wish that there was more, like just more substance to it. And it it just always leaves me wanting something else. Like it just doesn't leave me satisfied ever. And that being said, I did watch the finale, mm-hmm. and I have zero desire to watch season three. Interesting. Jake, so. I,
1: I feel I feel very differently from you, actually. And he, But here's the thing, and it, it's one of, when, when we talk a lot about comic books, right, where you go, you sit through an issue, and then they have this moment at the end where it's like, oh, now I have to read the next issue because th- they're doing something interesting, right? This is what sort of the finale feels like to me, because... There's a couple revelations in the finale, especially one that kind of pays off the end of season one where the CDC doctor whispers something in Rick's ear and you can finally figure out what that thing is at the end of the season. And my problem with that is that that could have been revealed, you know, Mm -hmm. much earlier. You know, it's artificially strung out. Um, The other thing too is that, like I said before, it doesn't... It doesn't get the part of a TV show where you have to have stuff happening every week. You know, there has to be something that happens every week. It's a reason why procedural shows do so well, right? And they're not my favorite kind of shows, but they do so well because they always have something to do every week. And the part of The Walking Dead is that, aside from a couple really brilliant episodes, it's just like, well, this is life, you know, In and the Shane's yeah. gonna be angry and do something stupid and then Carl's gonna be a fucking idiot and, you know, and it's like, Lori's gonna, Lori does some stuff that just, no, no so adult human stupid. being would do those things.
3: She's so stupid. At <laughs> least
1: with the kid, you're like, well, he's a kid. You know, like, you know, maybe he'll do some stupid stuff. He still does extra dumb stuff that doesn't make any sense, but I will say this, the, the finale, I think, at least addresses certain issues I have with the show. Um, There's, there's a, and the problem is, but again, like I said, there's parts of scenes that are great. There's like halves of scenes. Like there's a scene where Rick is revealing something to Lori, and the half of that scene is brilliant. The other half of the scene, like the way she reacts to what she's told Mm -hmm. is completely stupid. You know, there's a scene around a fire that Rick has a really good speech but what leads him to have that speech is people acting like fucking idiots, you know. It's like, it, it's just, you know, it, it's it, it's all this stuff that I don't understand. How you sit down, and and all I can think is they go, okay, we have to get to this point. The plan for this show was to get from this point to this point. We have to fill in these episodes. Let's just write some scene where they argue, you know. I will say that I think that they've at least started to recover Andrea's character a little bit in the, in the, in the second half of the season um, where I don't think she's just a raging bitch anymore. you know. Um, and I, I think that there's some good stuff with Herschel that happens in the second half of the season. There's a really awesome tense scene with Rick. The um, thing is like Rick and Glenn get into danger for a reason they have to go do something it's not just random ass danger and that scene is really great um but you, you know should you watch the next season I mean that's tough for me to say because I, I was almost done with the show just like when you were yeah you know and I think I watched it for the same reason you said which was I didn't want to fall behind on it you know and I did actually I, I actually didn't watch like the first 3 episodes of the second half of the season and then like all of my friends were like well did you watch the walking dead and I was like no mm-hmm. And so then I went through it, and then I watched the rest of it, and yeah. it's just a mix of really good stuff and really horrible stuff. I mean, um, you saw the new character, right? We won't talk about it, but anybody who's yeah. who, who who's into The Walking Dead or has been paying attention to the internet at all knows that there's a new character who apparently is a very big character in the comic books. And who appears exactly
0: the way that they do in the books. Okay. So they have those moments mm-hmm. where there are things straight out of the books And I just don't understand why they've strayed so far from the source material when they've, they've got like a solid people want to see the story Mm -hmm. on that's why you're watching it, Mm -hmm. you know, go on Steph.
3: Oh, I was just going to say, you mentioned the source material and I think that's a big flaw with this show. Um, and actually the whole, we briefly mentioned true blood, but with both true blood and walking dead, I mean, they both don't have ends to their stories and both shows do base their seasons slightly off of each, you know, volume of the story. And I think that the problem is that neither show knows what's going to happen and how it's going to end. Mm -hmm. And that's a big problem.
4: Like, again,
3: with True Blood, like. Charlene Harris was done after the tenth book, so there was an end. But then, when the show got popular, she decided to start writing books again. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have a foreseeable, you know, again end. I keep repeating myself. Sorry, mm-hmm. but right. same with The Walking Dead; it's still ongoing, and I don't know how they're going to wrap that up when they, like, the comic creators don't know how it's going to wrap up.
1: Right. But I would say this: that this idea of TV show creators knowing how their story is going to end in the long run. Is not this idea has been birthed by Lost? Like this is where this idea has come from, right? Because before Lost, it wasn't even an issue. Nobody was like, "How is Buffy the Vampire Slayer season seven going to end and, after season two? You know what I mean? Nobody was thinking that. You know what I mean? This whole idea of you should know where your story's going is new. It's this is not this is not a, a traditional TV idea.
2: It Happened occasionally, well, just you know, very occasionally, right? Yeah.
3: I. I think that it's, I mean, sure, with certain kinds of shows, it's not relevant or necessary for them to know where the show is going. But with this, and again, things like True Blood, it is. Because, I mean, it's all just willy-nilly all over the place because they don't have any direction to where everything's going, and I think it's a big issue when it comes down to it because it affects the quality of the show, at least for me.
2: Right. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it affect also the viewing experience? If you're watching a sitcom, mm-hmm. who really cares? One episode's the same as the next right, and right, stuff yeah, yeah. happens.
3: Except for Here, how you met your mother. Like,
2: exactly, yeah. How many
3: seasons <laughs> but, can that go on for? It's true.
2: Here, this is a sort of, it's a movie told over many chapters, as mm-hmm. you're talking about. It's the Sorry, first act of a mm-hmm. 500-hour-long movie. I want to know that they have an idea, before I start investing my time into where we're going. Otherwise, right. I'm watching Heroes. meandering forever. Ah, yeah. To be
1: fair, though, to the Walking Dead show, Robert Kirkman says that the reason he writes the Walking Dead is because the, his his least favorite part about a zombie movie is that it ends. You know, there is he he has no he has no. Visions of ending The Walking Dead as long as he wants to write it. You know? Um, so, so what does that mean, though, well, for the show? That it's just gonna keep going? Well, this is the thing, and this, this is my problem, right, with this idea that um, the show is somehow beholden to what the comics are doing, right? It's They'll decide how they want to end their show. My problem isn't the, the big picture of the show. My problem is it feels like season to season they have no plan. You know what I mean? It's like, okay. the, you know, the first season of Lost, right, is all about... Them finding out why the, what they're what this island is and then opening this hatch, right? That's they have a thing they're supposed to do. If the walking dead characters had a thing they had to do, it would make it so much so much better,
3: you know. Like it, initially, when they were trying to get somewhere,
1: exactly yeah. when they're trying to get to the CDC, at least it's a thing mm-hmm. they're trying to do. Just living on Herschel's farm, you're not doing anything. You're like, I hope nobody shows up and ruins this.
0: Mm-hmm. I just think,
1: yeah,
3: I think it's supposed like. I think TV shows should be written kind of a bit like books in the sense that they have a beginning, a middle, and an end. Mm-hmm, right. I think it should be planned out when they pitch the show. And I mean, obviously not all shows get picked up for a second or a third season or whatever. Right. But I think that the creators should know where the show is going at all times so that like it can be properly put together and paced. Right. Perfect, so. yes.
1: But I mean but again what I'm saying is like this I that idea is a new idea, you know, mm-hmm. if this was, like, 10 years ago, that, that was not a thing, you, you, you know what I mean, you did a TV drama until it was over, you, you know what I mm-hmm. mean, like, and we, we live in a very different TV world right now, and again, like I said, like, whether, whatever you think about the ending of Lost, that was the big thing, right, w- after season three, they're like, we're gonna be done after season six, we know the story's gonna go, it's gonna go where it's gonna go, but you look at other great drama shows, even in like Battlestar Galactica, I doubt they knew where they were going when they started that show.
3: You oh, know? that no. went batshit. I love Battlestar Galactica, but...
1: You know, like, and so, and it's very tough, especially over six seasons of a television show, or however long the show's gonna last, mm-hmm. to be like, okay, we had an idea how we're gonna end it at the beginning, because there's a lot of real-world shit that happens. Because it's not like writing a book. You don't have control over, you know, if... You know, what does, if somebody wants to leave the show...
2: Yeah, it's got a m- big movie to do. You know, you can't do anything about yourself. it, you
1: know? So that can throw a wrench into your plans. So I think that... I just want, individually, season to season, almost like the volume of a book, you know? Like, to have its beginning, middle, and end, you know? To, to have its... You know, like, The Dark Tower. Like, to have its gunslinger and to have its drawing of the three, to know where that book's gonna begin that book's gonna end... I don't need them to know where the show's eventually gonna end because I kind of like the creative idea of we're gonna go on the thing with these characters and we're gonna figure out where they're going, you know, but that's my main problem is season to season I feel like they're meandering. You know, why are we at Herschel's farm except for budgetary reasons the entire year? You know?
3: <laughs> I, uh, I almost kind of wish that they would kill off this set of characters and then maybe focus on a new set I know that doesn't happen in the books but if they're gonna go like stray so far from that story from there I mean I think the show could almost benefit from a complete sort of facelift because I hate everyone see, <laughs> again I don't hate see I
1: don't hate Rick like I, I, I feel I feel like Andrew Lincoln is very good and I feel like um, maybe he's different than he is in the books and that's fine but I I enjoy him as a character, and I think that, but funnily enough, I think that the same thing he goes through as a character on the show is the same thing he goes through as far as like the way people react to him as a character on the show, like real people, mm. in that he's the leader of this group, and like he he makes all of these decisions, and people don't always agree with those decisions, whether you're a character in the show or a viewer watching the show, so you get on him as a character, you know? Um but I, I think that he's been consistent, very consistent as a character, more than almost any other character on that show, maybe other than Glenn. As yeah, far, I you love know.
3: Glenn, but I hate, you're, you're right, I do hate Rick the least. So, <laughs> there you I will go. Won't say I like him, but... Glowing
1: praise
0: for really. Rick right? <laughs> Complete positive. I'm in the boat with Stephanie on this. Seriously, everything that she's saying is, is what I'm thinking. I don't like anybody either. I mean, Rick is the, is the least of my worries, but Lori... Ugh. Oh and, and Andrea, she's yeah. my favorite character in the series. Mm-hmm. And they've, uh, the portrayal of her has been awful. Right. And by series,
3: though, you mean the comics. Yes. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, it's like the show to me, as opposed to the comics, is oh, only the most annoying people on the face of the planet have survived. <laughs> <laughs> and they're going to get together and make the most annoying decisions possible and. Piss off everybody and die as a result of it and mm. just you're not going to feel sorry for them because they were so, so stupid. Right.
0: And well, then they make stupid children for the
1: stupid future.
2: <laughs> now, as stupid. the first person to check out, this conversation is not drawing me into uh <laughs> no <laughs> starting. Bob's up like again. I still don't want to watch no. the show.
1: Which probably you shouldn't, but I will say this about uh Lori, well her an actress, Sarah Callis, I think her name is. Um, I think that in this season, I, I didn't like her at all in the first season, acting-wise or character-wise. I, I think the second season, she's actually been really good as far as like her, her talent goes, but I feel like the shit she gets given to do is always the most annoying, stupidest thing to do. Oh.
3: oh, my God. The finale, I know I won't spoil it for everyone, but I want it, again, to punch her in the ovaries. Yeah. Because, like... <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. Why why are you she gets angry about something. Right. Yes. I I can't understand her anger. Like I can understand again, not spoiling, I can understand grief, but she's angry about something that is so incredibly stupid. Yeah. And I I, I just can't get behind her reasoning behind it. And I just want her to get eaten by a zombie. <laughs> <laughs>
2: No, maybe that's know. the finale potentially they all maybe get her oh
3: wait I can't that spoiler Never mind.
1: right but th- th- that's the <laughs> conversation <laughs> I was talking about before Stephanie where I was like the first half of the conversation I think is really good and then the second half and the reaction like her reaction to that thing you're talking about mm-hmm. was horrible yep and stupid and I don't understand why that happened and that's what I mean the show has this way first of all it looks amazing. The show looks amazing. It does. It, the, 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 the filmmaking craft behind it is great. It's super high level, and I will not take that away from it all. The makeup effects are amazing. They do practical zombie effects, which are just yes. beautiful to look at. And I think that in general, a lot of the acting is very high caliber. I just think that the writing really deserves the other craft that's happening around around it and unfortunately writing is the most important thing in a television show there's nothing more important than writing in a television show
2: No, is it just a function of the long form here that they just haven't come to grips with
1: I don't it, it doesn't make any sense because I mean like I mean now that they have a, they have a producer who's a TV producer so we'll see what's gonna happen but again like I'm saying it doesn't feel like a television show to me it doesn't feel like it has like Battlestar right it has something that happens every episode and it's not always the Cylons doing something no. you know it's I feel like Walking Dead goes for that same character drama that Battlestar goes for where it's machinations and political stuff happening and people trying to usurp other people and kind of the snake in the grass character and all this other stuff. But it, j- those character moments
2: aren't good. No, Battlestar was perfect that way. And they also mm. found ways to do slice-of-life things off to the side. Yeah. Investigate mm-hmm. a minor character and give you an hour that, you, wow, I wouldn't want to have missed that episode. Even though it yeah. didn't drive the story forward, I wanted to watch that.
3: Yeah. Battlestar does have, like, its ridiculous moments, but the filler episodes are enjoyable to watch. Whereas the Walking Dead filler episodes, I want to shoot myself in the head like a zombie. <laughs>
1: Um, so, um, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> so that was very, uh, very violent, very violent.
3: Okay. Well, I don't want to commit suicide because the walking dead sucks, but you know, yeah, okay. <laughs> um,
1: so That's we difficult. had just had a little right. bit of Twitter response. I asked for people to send their spoiler, um, free questions. Um, and I, I'm not going to read one of them because one of them is slightly spoilery. Um, but I will talk about what, um, all right, uh, Rick Colewater said on, on Twitter, um, he has some good things to say about the show. I figured we'd throw that in. Yeah. <laughs> what we've been saying for the last. It's pat tw- ourselves on the back now. Thirty yeah. minutes. Um, he he says, I just have to say that the the show ended exactly where I wanted the show to go, um, and that there's a new character. Wise, he's very happy about the new character that that's coming in. Mm. Um, he says also, as brave as the comic is uh the show is just as brave with what it does and shows um and he asks what this is probably nothing but what changes to the comic do you like in the show and what do you hope for in season three like differences from the comic to the show is there anything you like because we talk about all the stuff you didn't like nothing no, there's nothing in the show you like better than the comic absolutely not okay stephanie what about you
3: um, I've only read like the first few volumes. Well, there's like a million, a million uh, issues. I, so it's fine. I thought
1: of one thing. Okay. A,
0: a character that was added to the show. What's his Daryl? Daryl. Okay. Yeah, that's it. Daryl is
1: awesome. We did not talk about Daryl, and he is awesome. Yeah, he is awesome.
0: That's it, though. That's the only thing. He's the Everything Sawyer of the <laughs> <else laughs> show. Sucks.
1: It
3: doesn't then, suck,
1: but it's. Let's just, see.
3: What about um, you, Stephanie? So I, I don't know. I don't think there's really anything. To me, at this point in time, they're not comparable anymore. Okay. Like, they just have become their own sort of separate... Like, the show's sort of just really gone its own way, and I kind of just want to disassociate the comics with the show. So okay. I, I would I would say that there's not really anything I like in the show better.
2: Oh, I'm definitely not picking up these box sets. I can see that coming. <laughs> I'm saving money as we speak.
3: So um, you are a welcome world Yeah. so
1: that's what it's interesting right because anybody I talk to who sort of are kind of geek people for lack of a better term for it seems to have a similar opinion that we do about the show but it seems like that doesn't matter because I feel feel like the less like this core group of people likes it the more everybody else likes it I really think that
0: people are watching it just because they think that they're supposed to watch it that uh, if you're not watching it, you're it's like it's like people that watch American Idol or something, <laughs> that every day they have like an office job and they go, Did you see Idol last night? Oh my god, I can't believe they kicked off so and so. Like if you walk into your job and you didn't happen to sit down on a Sunday when everybody knew you were gonna be home and you didn't spend your time watching The Walking Dead, you you can't talk to people for <laughs> that day. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, I've had that happen Mm. with other shows in the past where it's like, did you see blah, blah, blah? I'm like, I don't watch that show. And I was ostracized. I Mm -hmm. was done.
3: That should be a promo for the show. Like, have somebody in the office, like, (laughs) sitting in the corner crying and being like, I didn't watch The Walking Dead my first week here, and now I don't have any friends.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I had to stay off Twitter and Facebook because the last two weeks it got spoiled for me. So I just stayed Ooh. off of it for, like, a day because I couldn't watch it the day it was out. Um, so did anybody, anything they want to say about The Walking Dead? Nope. Grown. Grown on Walking if, Dead.
3: If you like the comics, don't expect the show to be anything like it if you haven't had a chance to watch it yet. Mm. Um, expect, you know, something completely different because, like, True Blood, it just does its own thing. Um but I do recommend reading the comics. If you do watch the show and you do happen to like comics, and I hope you do because you're listening to this podcast, um, because they're worth checking out and they're very different. And uh, I mean, again, worth checking out.
0: They're mm-hmm. very good. I like. I I do enjoy the comics a great deal. So I think I might just have to stick with that.
1: Here's a tip for you in two weeks. Watch Game of Thrones. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <Yes. laughs> Game of Thrones. Uh, um which is wait. exactly like the book, by the way, if you, ever, if you guys read the books. But, nice. All right, here we go. So that's it for our topic of The Walking Dead. We're going to go on to this week's releases. Um, from <laughs> Boom Studios, we have Darkwing Duck, number 14. We have Peanuts, number 3. We have Planet of the Apes, number 12. And we have Steed and Mrs. Peel, number 3. Um, from Dark Horse, we have BPRD, Hell on Earth, The Long Death. Number two. That's quite a title. It is. It's a long title. Dark Horse Presents, number 10. Um, Goon, number 38. Rage More, number one. Rage More. Star Wars Dawn of the Jedi Force Storm, number two. Star Wars The Old Republic, volume three, which is a trade paperback. So on to DC, we have Batman, number seven. Oh, yeah. We have Batman Beyond Unlimited, number two, which Steve loved. (laughs) Blippin, what was it? Something. It was terrible. (laughs) I hated that book. We have Batman Odyssey Volume 2, Number 6. We have Birds of Prey, Number 7. Blue Beetle, Number 7. Captain Adam, Number 7. Catwoman, Number 7. Yay. DC Universe Presents, Number 7. Diablo, Number 3 of 5. Oh, yeah. We have Dominique Leveau, Voodoo Child, Number 1. I will be checking that out, actually. We have Fables, Number 115. We have. Green Lantern Corps number seven. Hellblazer number 289. We have Justice League number seven. We have Nightwing number seven. Red Hood and the Outlaws number seven. Suicide Squad. Oh, number six. Sorry, that's, uh, that's a second printing. Sorry. Yes. Supergirl number seven. Yes. We have Thunder Agents Volume two, number five. Tiny Titans number 50. Wonder Woman number seven. And Young Justice number 14. Um, Dynamite, we have Army of Darkness number two. We have George R.R. R. Martin's Game of Thrones, number three. We have Kirby, Genes- Kirby Genesis Silver Star, number four. Oh, we have <laughs> Robocop Road Trip, number four. Yes. Vampirella, number 15. And Zorro Rides Again, number nine. Zorro? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we have, from IEW, we have Ghostbusters, number seven. We have... Infestation Two, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Still Number not Two, interested. Memorial Number Four, We Have Monocyte Number Three. Fuck yeah! Which is a review <laughs> on the site at TalkingCombooks.com. Absolutely awesome book. Uh, Rocketeer Adventures Two Number Yay. One, Smoke and Mirrors Number One, Snake Eyes Number Eleven, Star Trek of Legion of Star Trek Legion of Superheroes Number Six.
2: That should be wonderful.
1: Um, <laughs> Stephen King and Joe Hill's Road Rage Throttle Number Two. <laughs> Um image we have darkness number one oh one. We have hack slash number fourteen. We have heart number four oh four. We have near death number six. We have no place like home. Yes number two. We have Prophet number twenty three. Rebel Blood number one. Yes. The strange talent of Luther Strode number, number six. six. Which is is out already. It is it, it's funny that it's on and this it was Fan fucking tastic. Awesome. Um, we have that's from Marvel we have Amazing Spider-Man number 682 uh, which I believe starts the new event Ends of the Earth nice um, we
0: have I'm so glad to be reading Spider-Man now
1: it's pretty good that book is really good actually um, we have Avengers X-Sanction number 4 we have Deadpool number 52 <laughs> Pump
2: Scoffs we have scoff, scoff Scoff
1: Fear Itself the Fearless number 11 we have um, Invincible Iron Man number 514 Kick-Ass 2 number 7 of 7 so it's the last issue New Mutants number 35 we have Super Crooks number 1 Super Crooks uh-huh. Thunderbolts number 171 That's a good book we have Uncanny X-Men number 9 we have Wolverine number 303 X-Factor number 233 and I think that's about it for no. the picks of, oh wait we have Grim Fairy Tales number 69 From Zenoscope. Oh, yeah. Um, Alice in Wonderland, number three. And Jungle Book, number one. Jungle Book, number one is going to be awesome. Pick it up. So saith Steve. So saith I.
2: Ruler of all of (laughs) nothing.
1: (laughs) Ruler of all of nothing. Yes.
3: Ruler of (laughs) Moo Moo, his cat. Yes. Actually, that's a lie because cats are their own owners.
0: Well, I live in her house. (laughs) <laughs> she doesn't, you know. I just, I just stay. There. I'm the food person. Yeah. Absolutely.
3: So you're not really a ruler of anything. Is no. What we're getting to. Ouch. Of oh, uh, DVDs. Damn. Well, that wasn't meant to be hurtful. I just. It was.
0: Well, don't well, mission failed, Fractful. Stephanie. She's trying to cut you. God, Eat. cut you, man! I'll cut cry you. myself
1: to sleep tonight. Mm-hmm. All right.
3: I don't have anything witty to say. Way that, to end the
1: sorry. podcast on a happy note. Yeah, very happy. Yeah, yeah good job, Steph. All right, yeah. so um, oh. <laughs> You should probably know where to get in touch with us. So if you want to email us, info at At on Twitter, at Talking Comics, uh, go to the website, talkingcomicbooks.com, for reviews, previews, features. Um, Bob has written a couple of very uh, good pieces in the last couple of weeks.
3: Well,
1: thank you. And he has and nice- uh, another one going up this yes. week. So um, what were you saying, 70 Stephanie?
3: And there's a nice early review of Cabin in the Woods. It's
1: true. Yes. It's, it's true. The movie nice Cabin movie. in the Woods.
2: And the trailer, but don't watch the trailer apparently. <laughs>
1: apparently, Stephanie <laughs> doesn't want you to watch the trailer. That's why she embedded it in her review <laughs> of Cabin in the Woods.
3: Listen, I don't do things because they're logical.
2: <laughs> you could be oh, a character on The Walking Dead then. Yes.
4: Oh, well, no. Ouch. Big oh. insult. And
2: Big insult. Now
3: I really do want to shoot myself in the head. <laughs> Sorry, A Walking Dead burn,
2: damn. Yeah,
3: You can be
1: a, a character on The Walking Dead or on the third season of Heroes. It works on two levels. Ouch, that works ouch. on three.
0: <laughs> oh, Bobby, oh my that one God. hurt more. It just keeps sorry.
1: going. <laughs> um, so that's getting you get in touch with us. Um, and um, please, download the show, um, subscribe, review the show, it would be great. Um, and keep your uh, feedback coming in, because we really love it. Um, so I believe that next week, uh, Avengers with X-Men starts... With number zero, Whoa. so we're gonna have some talking to do. Maybe help people get a little caught up on what's going on. Uh, Bob's the only one who reads Avengers, so he might have to
2: be. Uh, I I'm loving it so much. I know, but you still read it, so I have no choice.
0: It's you. You have a choice. Well, isn't uh, X-Sanction Four coming out today? Isn't that going to be like the precursor to all that?
1: Yeah, it's a lead into it. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the events happening in X-Sanction are very much about what's just in time. Just in time. Sounds like a superhero name. Yes, it does. Just in time. Just in time. <laughs> um, all right, so that's it for Talking Comic Books for this week. For Steve. See ya. Bob. Aloha. And Stephanie.
3: You know what I was going to say. <laughs> God. All right. Toodaloo.
1: I have been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics, to be continued.